Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and you're listening to the Bible in a Year podcast, where we encounter God's voice and live life through the lens of Scripture. The Bible in a Year podcast is brought to you by Ascension. Using the Great Adventure Bible timeline, we'll read all the way from Genesis to Revelation, discovering how the story of salvation unfolds and how we fit into that story today. We've just concluded the Gospel of Luke, and now today we're heading into that last, that last age, last stage, last time period known as the church. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that there is a gifting campaign happening when it comes to the Bible in a Year. The Bible in a Year has brought the Word of God to so many people. As you know, you're part of this community, changing lives in so many incredible ways. We're humbled to play this role in God's plan and consider it our ongoing mission to keep bringing the Word of God to as many people as possible. So what I'm saying is the end of this year is not going to be the end of Bible in a Year. So far, Ascension has been able to add the podcast to YouTube. You might have found it that way. Maybe you're watching right now on YouTube. And also, we're working on translating it into different languages so you could have the Bible in a year in other languages than English. But of course, this takes a significant investment to bring projects like these you know, free of cost to our listening communities. And we want to keep them free of cost to all those people who participate because we want to get the word of God out there. And because of that, we have to rely on generous contributions from listeners like you to help defray these costs um, and to enable us to continually provide new audiences with this life-changing content. So if you would like to help support the Bible in a year on mission, you can go to ascensionpress.com support. So th- that helps us move forward, helps us keep the Bible in a year online in perpetuity, as well as developing those new programs and those new initiatives to bring the Bible in a year to more people. If you want to support that, you can go to ascensionpress.com support. Not only that, but also Jeff's joining us today, as you know, and Jeff also uh, wants to introduce another thing. It's, it's a companion, essentially, to the Bible in a year. That's right, Father. We have been working all this time on developing a a book that we call the Bible in a Year Companion. You know, so many people throughout the year have been so blessed. And and one of the comments is, man, I wish I, I wish I had all of that in one place. I could go back, you know, and and I could just look at it like kind of a devotion and, you know, go deeper. So that's what this is. The Bible in a Year Companion is a book and it it has wonderful descriptions of every day, you know, kind of the essence of that day that from your teaching. And it has frequently asked questions. And uh, we, as you know, we have been on Thursdays at two o'clock Eastern on Facebook, Ascension's Bible Study Facebook page, answering a lot of these questions that people are coming up with. And so we thought, well, we'll just put those in this companion so that they can not only find the answers to these difficult questions, but they can pass it on to other people. So it's going to be in three volumes, and the first volume is available, and we encourage people to get that, and it's going to be a wonderful gift, I think, to people. Uh, some people would like that, you know, when they go through the Bible in a year to, to actually have it and uh, follow along. So I think it's going to be a great idea, and people can get that at Ascension Press. Yeah, so you can get that um, at ascensionpress.com slash companion, as well as if you want to be part of the gifting campaign to support the ministry, ascensionpress.com slash support. So those are the two words to remember, <laughs> to remember slash support and slash <laughs> companion. And uh, yeah, that's, I think, Jeff, that's our, our advertisement for today, right? <laughs> It is. That's 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 it. Well, thanks for joining us today, everybody. We have the final uh, time period, the the church uh, launching off. And so, Jeff, my gosh, this has been incredible. Yesterday, most likely, people finished the Gospel of Luke. And which is that, I don't want to say capstone, but in some ways, the capstone of everything we've been leading to. And now we're heading into Mm -hmm. 
the age we're living in, essentially. We're going to be reading about the early church, but but we're, we're in the age of the church. And so what can people expect as they launch into these last number of days? Sure. Well, it, it, like you said, it, it's a new it's a new time period, and it is uh, the culmination has come. Jesus has has come. He has fulfilled everything from January yes. to November. <laughs> he has fulfilled. He has fulfilled everything. And in the last thing he said was, "Now you go into all the world and make." disciples. And so what we have in the book of Acts is literally, and this is such a gift, we have the history from that very beginning when he sent out uh, the apostles, that, that very beginning, we see how the church is developing and how his message is going forth. And I think a lot of people misunderstand the book of Acts. They think that, well, the book of Acts is just this history of the early church. It's kind of entertaining. Look what they did here and there. No, it is the era, like you said, that we're living in right now. And the church is not a body that just sits and studies Jesus. The church is the body of Christ. In other words, the church is going to go forth and continue what he started. I mean, he was he had a three-year public ministry, and that three-year public ministry is not a, a slice of time that just stays there, uh, and we go back and study it, but that three-year time period was his public ministry, and then the launching of his kingdom throughout the world, and we're the ones that do that. And so when we look at the early church, we see that there's two super apostles. We have Paul and we have Peter. And one goes to the Gentiles, one goes to the Jews, and it is amazing. And so the early church, you know, in the book of Acts is really the the study of the explosion of the church and some of the problems that they have because it's in the context of Acts, the book of Acts, that we see the epistles. So Everything has a place, but the book of Acts is the structure for the beginning of this church and the movement, and uh, and we'll get to it in a little bit, but the ending is kind of abrupt. Right. And it's like, is that it? Are we done? <laughs> no, we're not done. There's more. We'll get well, to that. You mentioned, too, this is the, the, the launching, you know, that, that sense of, you mentioned the two words I just queued in on. One was explosion, which is, yeah, I mean, as Jesus even says in Acts chapter 1, says you'll receive the power or the dynamis of the Holy Spirit. And that explosion, that's what happens. But then the launching of the first Christians, launching of that the church into the world to, to make, to change the world, essentially, to redeem the world. Gosh, it just, yeah, as you said, the uh, story of the Acts of the Apostles is where we get introduced to some of these people who, well, I mean, the apostles, obviously, from that Jesus recruited, but also you have Paul and you have Barnabas, you have some of those characters that were part of that mission early on that were launched from this Acts of the Apostles time period and did exactly what you're saying. They they went out and brought the gospel of mercy and hope and good news to the world and was seemed right unstoppable in so many ways, even though they definitely encountered opposition. Well, to give you a, a kind of an idea of the the atmosphere that the early apostles went out into, it was it was brave. Yeah. It was courageous. This is this is a martyr, a martyr business here. Even they went out because Rome was the world power, 
And people need to remember that right before Jesus, we had Julius Caesar, who proclaimed himself to be God, and the Caesar was worshipped as God. He had an adopted son by the name of Octavian. Octavian defeated Mark Anthony at the Battle of Actium, came into Rome with the honorary name of Caesar Augustus. And it was said of Caesar Augustus that nobody before during or after will ever eclipse the glory of Caesar Augustus, who is the son of God, the one who ushered in the Pax Romana, the the peace, and the one who has given the Evangelion, the good news to the world. So that's the atmosphere (laughs) that Peter and Paul are going out into saying, um, Guys, I know what you read on the, in the newspaper, and I know what you saw on on cable cable news shows. But I got to tell you, he's not God, the Son of God. He's not the one who ushered in the good news. He's not the Prince of Peace. But there is one, and we're going to tell you about him. Yeah, and that's the atmosphere that the Book of Acts takes place in. You know, it's so interesting too, because as as you're pointing that out, here's Rome, which is the you know the world superpower at this time, and Peter and Paul, they don't stay away from Rome. They don't stay away from the the place where uh, everything's going down. I mean, you, you imagine that in so many ways. Uh, up until up until this moment, the story cent- is centered on the Holy Land. You know, it, yes, mm-hmm. the people of Israel had been exiled, whether that be Egypt or Babylon, but the idea was we'll stay here. And now they're they're launching like once again launchpad. They're launching from that that place where Christ walked, and that that place that was the the land of the promise into new lands to bring the Evangelion, the, the tr- real good news to the world. And I just think it's, it's, a, it's a shift. I mean, it's a fulfillment, obviously. Jesus is the fulfillment, but, but this shift in, in how is the promise going to be fulfilled, not simply by retaining the land and staying here, but it's, we're going to the heart of the, in some ways, the heart of the beast, right. you know, by going to Rome and going all over the place and, and bringing that good news wherever they went. Right. And uh, the early church saw this, and the early church was aware that Rome was started by Remus and Romulus. And and there are there's actually artwork from very early on showing Peter and Paul, who are, in a sense, the new Remus I didn't, and Ram, Romulus, who... I never knew that. that? I, I, that's awesome. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the new... They're, it's a new Rome yeah. now, you know? And this is now... The, the shift will move from the Holy Land to Rome as the seat of Peter... And it's like a a rebuilding of Rome, which is a sign of a rebuilding of the yeah. world, and uh, and that's why Rome is very special to us as Catholics. It's not just oh they got good <laughs> wine over there, but it's but it is it, it really is the the beginning of the new uh, Remus and Romulus, uh, the founders. Well, that is I I sorry I was kind of flabbergasted. I was like what I never even I knew the Remus and Romulus part, but I never put that made that connection with. St. Peter and St. Paul, yeah, and especially when it comes to redemption, when it comes to renewal, when it comes to restoration, this is the mission. And here is, you know, Rome that had done so much damage is being in some ways redeemed by the, that getting restored by the two twins, we'll say twin apostles of Peter and Paul. Um, How, how much, you know, one of the things that's going to happen is, as you mentioned, Acts of the Apostles is, is the context, uh, but we're also reading the letters of Paul, we're reading letters of Peter and John, all the you know New Testament letters as well. Is there anything that you would say, um, unless you want to stay on Acts of the Apostles for a second more, but is there anything you would say that, okay, here's some things to pay attention to when, when reading some of these epistles? 
Right. Well, I, I would say, you know, just going back for a moment to the book of Acts, that we have a structure that is very important, and that is that it is the story of the two super apostles. Right. And so chapters 1 through 12 really focuses on Peter, and then 13 through 28 focuses on Paul. But here's what's interesting. If you read, and as people listen to you very carefully, they will notice that Peter is imitating Jesus and the works that Jesus did. There is a direct correlation between Peter, his works, and the works of Christ. And the same thing is true of Paul in chapters 13 through 28. He is mirroring Peter. And so uh, both of them are mirroring Christ, and that tells us something, and that is that we, as the members of the, the people of the book of Acts, we're doing the work of Christ, like Peter and Peter and Paul did. So that's a little structural thing that I think is is really important to uh, to get. But the basic structure of the book of Acts uh, is that we have first of all in Jerusalem. It's a witness in Jerusalem, and then after that we have Judea and Samaria. Now Jerusalem is Acts one one through eight three, and then eight four through twelve twenty five is Judea and Samaria. So that is on the outskirts of Jerusalem, and then in Acts thirteen through twenty eight you have to the uttermost parts of the earth. You have the the entire world. So you mentioned explosion earlier. And that is that it starts in Jerusalem and boom, it just explodes into Judea and Samaria, places we wouldn't normally right, go. Right. <laughs> and uh, people we don't really know. And then to the uttermost parts of the earth. And the fact that people are listening to you and me right now means it worked. <laughs> right. Yeah, honestly. Because you and I are in the uttermost parts yes, of the are, earth. You're not Especially anywhere you. near. Well, <laughs> two and a half hours further away from the center than, <laughs> than you. The, yeah. The, well, you know, even it's Acts 1, right, where Jesus says, um, you'll be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. And then as, you, as, you, as you're saying that, just telescopes for the rest of the book of Acts yeah. to that exact same pattern. That's which phenomenal. It's right. incredible. And, and not only that, I, I know that our people who are listening, journeying with us, one of the things that is noted by Luke in writing the Acts of the Apostles is a lot of times what caused that explosion, what caused that launching was persecution. Mm -hmm. It was as a result of this persecution, the Christians, they went out and they began to proclaim Christ in other places. And that's just, that, that can be backwards for us. We think like, if it's going to be blessed, it's going <laughs> to... It's going to be blessed in a way that just I like, you know, it'll be blessed in a way that just fruits everywhere. But it's often not only the fruit of Christ and his Holy Spirit, also the fruit of suffering. That's that's going to be uh, giving new life to the church. And, and that's something that Paul really understood that, too, just exactly what you're saying, because it was in the second phase of this explosion in uh, chapters 8, 4 through 12, 25, that, that this great scholar, Saul of Tarsus, was brought into the kingdom by the by the Holy Spirit, and he became a super apostle. And then in the third part of the explosion, Paul has three missionary journeys, which are covered in the book of Acts. And every one of those journeys, he goes out first, and he, what does he do? He establishes churches. And, and then in the second and third, he's establishing, but he's going back and he's nurturing the churches that he started. And one of the things that people will find when they read the epistles of Paul, which Paul wrote more books, Luke has more territory, you know, in his writing. Mm -hmm. But when you read those epistles, Father, you're going to, as you know, see that that early church did experience 
the power of the Holy Spirit and the expansion of the church, but they also had problems. Yeah. And the problems typically were departing from the ways of the world and Roman customs in their temples and so forth. And so when you read the epistles of Paul, he's going to teach you theology. He's going to show you how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. But then at times he's going to say, hey, guys, we got a problem here and we got to deal with this if we're going to keep you know, moving forward. And so I think it's key for people to, to read that in a twofold way. One is the mission. The other is, what about us as the church? Are we getting along? Are these stones in the temple right. causing problems? <laughs> well, that sense of, you said, you know, that in the letters of Paul, epistles of Paul, well, all the, all the letters in the New Testament, they're going to be teaching us theology. So there's that teaching of here is how Jesus is the fulfillment and here is what we believe. But also there's going to be a, a specific context whenever Paul is, is writing his letters, he's He's addressing them to a certain group of people, typically about a a challenge or typically about their experience or some kind of way in which, whether it be the Corinthians and here's what I've heard is going down in your community. Um, here's where, where you need to start living these new lives or even to Timothy, encouraging him and to, to be the Christian he's being called to be and living in this world. I think that there's something about that, that when we get the context for the letters, sometimes they, they become much more clear. It's kind of like uh, the writings of the prophets where you mm-hmm. can, we can read them and say, I, I'm kind of getting stuff, but if we know the context more, here's what's going on at the time, then we recognize, oh, here is how not only this applied then and what they're talking about here, but here's how it applies now. And I think so much more accessible and so much more, like as you say, oh, this is for me, uh, not only for a community 2,000 years ago, but this is for me, this is for us, this is for now. Right. You mentioned in context, and that is very important, uh, particularly with Paul's writings, because four of his writings, he wrote not from the beach with right. a uh, uh, iced tea. <laughs> he wrote them from prison. And uh, when, you're reading, when you're reading an epistle from Paul, knowing that he's in prison, knowing that his life is on the line, and then you read what he wrote— that's life-changing. You know, he wrote Philippians, Ephesians, and Colossians, and Philemon. Those are called the, the prison epistles. And for anybody who feels like, I'm in prison, whether it's in a relationship, at work, financially, whatever it might be, pay, pay close attention to those prison epistles because uh, they're going to teach you an awful lot. We have a number of writers in the New Testament. You have Paul, we have Peter, we have John, we have Timothy. You know, there's different authors who are telling you about their experience and teaching people as this gospel explodes. And I I oftentimes think to myself, wouldn't it have been great to be back then, you know, and to experience this. Paul's coming to Minneapolis, the Excel Energy Center, you know. Wouldn't that have been really, really great? But the truth of the matter is, we're in that period right now. You are the one. And I say you, those of you that are listening to this right now, it's it's you're on the stage now. You're on the stage now. It's your turn to take this mission and continue to grow it learning from Peter and Paul, learning from the early church and what Jesus taught them. And uh, this is a time of expansion as well. Yeah, and I love that you pointed that out because for many reasons, but one of those reasons is I think we can look back and say, well, you know, Paul's story is over and Peter's story is over and Barnabas and Timothy, all all those stories are, are written now. They've been lived, those lives have been lived and now they're enjoying the reward. But we can 
realize that when they were writing these words, you know, here's Paul writing his prison letters. He was in the midst of uncertainty. He had no idea how it would all hash out. He had no idea how it would turn out. And so I think a lot of times we could look at that back then and think like, oh, that would have been so great. And yet to be in that moment would be to be in a situation that was completely filled with uncertainty. It would be completely filled with, I have no idea what's going to happen next. I mean, honestly, when St. Paul goes to the list of all the ways in which he has, you know, basically suffered for the sake of the gospel, any one of those moments would be enough <laughs> for a lot of us to be, okay, I'm going to tap out here. Like I might not want to go any further because of the fact that I don't know. Okay. I, I'm stranded. You know, he's shipwrecked. What's going to happen? I mean, he just says it as if I was shipwrecked a couple times, you know, as opposed to, I would tell the whole story. If it was me, I'd be like, okay, <laughs> there I was. And here's the, I had no idea what was coming next. He just mentions it in passing as if there wasn't any uncertainty. And yet, of course there was, because uh, just like us, Peter and Paul and all the apostles and other the early disciples of Jesus, they lived in the same broken world and same fragile world and same dangerous world that we live in. And so it's so good to listen to our older brothers and sisters and see their lives and see how they're living because we recognize that, okay, that same danger, that same uncertainty, that that same suffering is is ours as well. Exactly. You know, people will look at Peter and Paul as they listening to you read and they'll say, well, yeah, they're super apostles and oh, that's Paul. That's Peter, but I, I'm so-and-so from Omaha. I'm so-and-so from Pittsburgh, you know? And, and you got to remember, Paul was not aware that he was Paul. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. he wasn't saying, in light of the fact that people are going to be building churches in my name, I would say to you, <laughs> no, he, what, what, was, what did he do for a living? He was a tent maker. He was a tent maker who was on a mission from, from, from Jesus and he exhibited every characteristic that we would want to exhibit. You know, that the tenacity and the courage and boldness and the love. And so we can, as you said, we can learn so much from our older brothers and sisters. But one thing to really pay attention to as you were going through the book of Acts is to pay attention to the reading in the context of that church exploding and you know in the in the early church and uh, and how the church is changing and adapting uh, as it continues to grow and the the common problems that they that they face the leadership uh, we can learn a lot about the leadership of the early church and I would say that really for the first time in our journey together father the Holy Spirit now, is really center stage. Not, not that he wasn't before. I mean, the Trinity is the right. Trinity, but now this is the age of the Holy Spirit. We were in the age of Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, uh, our Father, you know, in the Old Testament, and now the Holy Spirit is going to usher us in. And I love what it says. Uh, Paul writes about it, and he said, he talks about the power of the Holy Spirit in his life to transform, and Jesus predicted this before. He, not predicted, I mean, he told us before that he was going to go to the Father, but he was going to send a helper, and that helper would guide us into all truth. And, uh, and he did, and he continues to, in that word helper in Greek, paraclete is the one who comes alongside of us. Mm. And that means that not only is baptism critical for this new church, and that is the forgiveness of sin, the joining with the uh, family of God, but confirmation is, is equally important in the, in the sacraments of initiation because it is in confirmation that the Holy Spirit is given to the church 
to fulfill the baptismal graces and power and give us the courage to be, as the Catechism says, official witnesses of Jesus. So I would say that anybody who is joining us that has not been confirmed, maybe you've been baptized, but you haven't been confirmed, this is your period now. (laughs) This is the time where you go to pastor and you say, you know what? I need to be confirmed. I've never been confirmed. I talked to one one priest father a while ago, and I said to him, how many people in your church have not been confirmed? And he goes, oh, I don't know, maybe 20 or so, I don't know. I said, why don't you do some work? Go into the database and check. He called me back a couple weeks later, and he said, you're not going to believe this. We have over 500 people really not been confirmed. And so wow. I said, well, you can imagine what uh, Easter Vigil is going to look like next year then, <laughs> you know? But so I, w- I just say that as a, as a sort of a, a word of encouragement that if you're reading this and saying, I want to live this way, then you've got to be equipped the way the early church yeah. was equipped. And as Jesus went in uh, Matthew 3 and 4, and he, he went into the water, came out of the water, the Holy Spirit came down upon him. That's how he began his ministry. And he said, he said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And, and that is very powerful, the, the Holy Spirit in the life of this early church. Well, that makes so much sense, especially even the role particularly of confirmation, because you have the apostles who had, had been baptized, right? The apostles who had been essentially ordained uh, at the Last Supper, the apostles who had been given the gift of forgive, being able to forgive sins here at the resurrection of Jesus in, in, at the end of John's gospel. And yet still, they lacked this this power of the Holy Spirit in this unique way, this power of Pentecost, this power of confirmation. And so, yeah, the, they had the Holy Spirit, and yet there was a certain charism of the Holy Spirit, a certain mark, a certain power of the Holy Spirit that had not yet been given to them. And so someone could say, well, I've been baptized. That's I have the Holy Spirit. You are right. You are correct. <laughs> you do. And yet there's more. And that's what, what did Jesus say? He says that anyone, bad fathers, bad parents you might have who would, you know, you wouldn't even give your son a scorpion if they asked for an egg, but how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks him? And uh, that's an incredible thing. Not only can you ask the Holy Father to give you the Holy Spirit now where you're listening to this, but also in that sacramental, that sacramental way, that way of power that comes through the sacraments of the church that Jesus had given to us is just so essential and yep. so powerful. I'm glad. You, thanks for that reminder because that's uh, um, one of those where I think sometimes I just assume I just assume sometimes that well everyone's been confirmed or they've said yes to their confirmation. That that happens too. Where mm-hmm. we have we have people who yeah I was confirmed when I was however old, but they have not yet in some ways really cooperated or again said yes to that and said okay Lord you gave me the gift of the Holy Spirit. I have allowed that gift to lie dormant in me. All it takes is you know, essentially a good confession and uh, asking the Lord, come alive Mm -hmm. uh, now in my life in the same way that you came alive in the lives of the apostles and the lives of those who were sent out and had uh, lived radical lives, transformed witnesses to Jesus. Yeah. And there's one book that you're going to be covering, which if you, uh, when I take polls in the past and say, what book would you like me to teach? You know, what book would you like to, to learn from? Overwhelmingly, the book of Revelation. And <laughs> of course, I was going to, I was going to guess. You were going to guess. I would have been right. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And it, and it's, it, cause it's such a mystery. And, and when uh, our good friends will uh, hear you reading the book of Revelation, just to put that into context, the book of Revelation was written by John and John received quite a revelation from God about the end of that 
era, the end of the Old Testament era, and the beginning of something new, and there will be judgment on Jerusalem and and Rome, <laughs> and uh, there will be this new beginning. But the book of Revelation is a mystery to so many people because it's not written the way the epistles are written. The epistles are letters, okay? Hey, Father John, how are you doing lately? I hope you're... <laughs> but, but the book of Revelation is called um, apocalyptic literature. In other words, it's written differently. It uses code words and uses structures that are taken from the Old Testament to to explain something that is about to happen. And that thing that is going to happen is the destruction of Jerusalem after Jesus. That's what it's going to focus on. But at the same time, it's going to focus on the end of time. Mm. So it's kind of like it has dual purposes. But it was written to the seven churches of Asia Minor, which that was that's modern-day Turkey. And uh, there was a formulaic statement that... I, you're doing good in this area, but I have this against you. You need to correct this. And then there was the reward for that. That was the beginning. Then we see the judgment on Jerusalem, the end of Jerusalem, and the beginning of this amazing family, the kingdom of God, the church. And it's, it's so interesting because whereas Paul and Peter and Timothy and everyone, they quote from the Old Testament, John doesn't. What John does is he alludes to the Old Testament over 500 times. And so as people have gone through the Old Testament with you, some of this is going to be like a rumble strip as they listen to the book of right, Revelation. Right. Like, brr, brr, wait a minute, I've heard that. Wait a minute. I saw, I've seen that pattern before, and you are right. <laughs> you are right. So it is a, is a great book. It, the, the highlight of it is the Lamb Supper. It is the yeah. Eucharistic celebration in heaven, a new heaven. And so that's kind of the, the wonderful dessert at the end of this whole story. <laughs> right, yeah. If there was a, maybe, maybe it'd be more appropriate for me to say the capstone would be that, that sense of, and here is not only now, here is into eternity, mm -hmm. uh, that vision, that only, not only glimpse of heaven, uh, the church on earth, but here's the church in heaven. Mm -hmm. uh, here's the, the bride in heaven, uh, the bride of Christ, which is so good. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be a fun one. I, I one of the things I noticed that is a bit of a challenge is a lot of times when we have our our daily mass readings, our readings from scripture, they're you know a number of verses long, but not too long. Because if they get too long, then we kind of get a little bit lost. There's so much content there that it's just it's easy to be overwhelmed. If there were times in the Old Testament where people who are joining us were overwhelmed by wow, this whole new story or this whole new kind of thing. The epistles of Paul are one of those places and the epistles of the others and the book of Revelation are one of those uh, those texts of scripture where we're going to go through chapters at a time. And it's one of those where I think if there's ever a time that you might want to follow along in your Bibles as we're reading, as you're listening, this might be one of those moments where you want to kind of like mark down something or write it down or, or you have a journal, like, you know, Jeff, you have your insight journal, that kind of sense of being able to, I want to, I need to capture this right now because there's so much mm -hmm. and there's so much mm -hmm. that the commentary section of the Bible in a Year podcast wouldn't, is, isn't able to cover everything. But I know that what's, I'm so convinced, um, just what has happened for the last 300 plus days is going to happen for the remainder of this year. And that is that even when it's a fire hydrant of just information um, and it can be overwhelming, 
the Lord is still speaking and mm-hmm. he's speaking not just to all y'all. He's speaking to you personally, individually, and he is going to help you hear what you need to hear this time. Mm-hmm. And one of Jeff, when I remember when I went to, to Israel with you the first time, uh, it was like drinking from a fire hose. It was just, mm-hmm. man, there's so much here. And I kind of got panicked. I l- had a little bit of anxiety of, I-, I need to take everything in as much as I can until I realized I made the decision. I don't know, halfway through the pilgrimage, maybe I'm coming back. And when I made that decision, okay, I'm coming back. I was able to calm down because it was, okay, I don't need to take it all in right now. Right. I'll take in whatever is given to me today, whatever is given to me at this moment, and I'll be back. Yeah. And so I'll get more next time. And I think maybe for this community, that could be a really good thing as well, where you're just like, I'm getting overwhelmed by this, but you know what? It's okay. I'm coming back. Exactly. I'm coming back to these letters. It reminds me of what St. Ephraim said. You know, he talked about the word of God and studying the word of God, using the drinking fountain as an example. And you know what it's like to go on a run or a bike ride or something, and you're really thirsty, you're hot, and you see a drinking fountain, you go over and you press the button and, oh my gosh, that's so good. That that crisp, (laughs) clear, good tasting water. Well, we don't stand back and go, wait a minute, wait just a minute. I only drank a little bit. Look at all of it that fell to the ground. We don't, you know, St. Ephraim says, don't be discouraged by the water that falls to the ground, but rejoice in the water that you drank and know that the fountain exhausts you. You don't exhaust the fountain. And so when people are listening and they think, oh, this is so much, this is so much, focus on what you're drinking because you can go Mm -hmm. back to the fountain and you can do this next year. You can do it two times in a week, you, whatever, you know, the same lesson, <laughs> right? but keep drinking and know that this word of God is going to exhaust you. You're not going to exhaust it. Nobody can sit back and say, there you go. I've exhausted the word of God. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not like that at all. So that's a beautiful picture uh, for people to, to continue with. Another picture, you know, kind of to, to close out our thoughts on this period is that if you read the end We win. And (laughs) we win. And the battle has been won by Christ. Yeah. So, but the reason I mentioned that is that it reminds me so much of the time where uh, I would go to Mass and I'd come home at noon on Sunday and I DVR'd the Vikings game. And, uh, (laughs) Why? I don't know, but I, I DVR. <laughs> I was going to say, why you, penance. <laughs> <laughs> penance, yes. Oh, if only if we could get a Super Bowl. But I, I DVR'd the, the football game, and one time I did that, and I got home, we had dinner, and then Emily had to leave to do something, and I thought, I'm going to watch the game now. So I started to watch the game against the Packers, and it was very close, and then the Packers are pulling ahead in the fourth quarter, and I'm thinking, no, this always happens. I can't believe it. What a loser. <laughs> and it just really brought me down, you know, and then there's like, 50, like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. We're down by 10, and Emily walks in. She's been listening in the car and says, wasn't that a great ending? <laughs> and I'm like, you just ruined the game. <laughs> They came back and they won. And but the point is, is that you know, we don't need to walk around with our heads down. We are not defeated people. We do not have to be lost. Jesus said in John 14, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit's going to come. But we don't have to live our lives with our head hung low like we're losers. We won. Act like it. Act like a winner. Act like we have won, that Jesus won that battle, and now we are walking with him. And so you go out into life now knowing, I know I know what the end of this game looks like, and I know we win. Yeah. So that should put a 
put a smile on your face, <laughs> honestly. And I, I, I'm glad you said that because there have been so many people who have been listening with us and they've said, I feel more confident now than maybe I've ever felt uh, in confident in the Lord, confident in my faith, that I actually know who he is. Mm-hmm. And I, that, that sense of, you might even say, even increased faith where I just, I trust him. And I, I find myself in a world of in, insecurity, it's uh, I can rely upon him in a very secure way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when we get to the end, we, we know that he has won it for us. And so we win. I'm so grateful. Jeff, I don't know if you have any last words for for this entry into the time period or if that, was the, if that might have been the last word because that's a really good last word. Um, or if you have anything, yeah, if you have anything else for us. Sure, I would just, uh, just a couple things. One is that this is just the beginning. Yeah. It, we're coming to the end, but it, it's really just the beginning. And uh, we have people that have been joining us that are, are uh, neophytes, brand new. Mm-hmm. They've just come into the church. This is amazing. Uh, to a- be able to hear the entire Bible like this is truly a gift from God. It is a gift. We have people that are have been walking with the Lord for seven, eight years. We have people that are scholars, yeah. and they have been teaching, and, and they are with us as well. But again, after you hear the Word of God, the church says there must be a response, mm-hmm. and that response is faith faithfulness. And faith is twofold. One, mental assent. Lord, I've heard the whole Bible. I'm with you. Wow. <laughs> Two thumbs up. Yes. You know, I'm Way with up. you. This has been really, really good. And uh, I might even do it again, you know. But the other part of faith is a personal entrusting of yourself to him. And so the response when the, when the divine word of God is revealed and God pulls back the curtain and shows you himself completely, then the proper response is faith. Yeah. And that means that we go from here uh, believing and entrusting ourselves to him in the midst of the story. And uh, it says in the very first paragraph of the catechism that God has a plan of sheer goodness. And what people have heard over this last year is the plan. And it's a plan of sheer goodness. And he has now reached out. He's got a hold of you. He has uh, brought you to the level of adopted sons and daughters, and he is going to share his divine life, the life of the Trinity, with you. It's a blessing. And so that is really important. The last thing I would say is, Father, you have done an amazing thing. You have done an amazing work, uh, not just in the scope of Bible in, in a year. There it is. That's great. But the amount of time and effort and energy that you have put into this mm. has been incredible. And I think there's going to be eternal fruit. I'll take that back. I know there's going to be <laughs> eternal fruit as a, as a result of it. And so, you know, on behalf of uh, everybody, uh, thank you for the great work that you have done. And thank you for letting me come on this journey with you. We've been friends for a long time. We go on pilgrimages and things like that. But this has, uh, has been, the I think, the, the most fruitful thing I've ever been in, involved in. And I uh, really appreciate you as my brother, as a father, and as a um, an evangelist in today's world. That means a lot, Jeff. Especially, well, you just I, you probably know you're not only a friend and a brother, also in so many ways uh, a mentor. And I just, yeah, that this mean that means it means a whole heck of a lot, as we'd say. And I'm, I'm grateful, and also not only am I grateful for for you, but also for the entire team of people 
who have been have made this work amen and so i want to and also for this community so y'all um this is our last intro into our our time periods and so uh this is the home stretch but it's not the there's still days and days to come so i especially when you're battling that faithfulness you know in the upcoming weeks might be really busy for you know that uh, we're walking with you and we're praying for you i know that the whole team of people at ascension are, are praying for every single person who's part of this community because they tell me <laughs> they let me know like we're on a regular basis we get together as a company and we pray for those who are listening to the bible in here i know that they're praying for you i know jeff is praying for you and i too i am praying for you please pray for me please pray for us uh, my name is father mike i cannot wait to see you tomorrow god bless mm-hmm.